like I said, we're in Samuel, and uh, we've been having a little bit of fun. What do we know about Samuel so far? Anybody, throw out something about Samuel. He is a prophet. Thank you. That's good. Yeah, yeah, he is a prophet. Okay, what else do we know about Samuel? Um, he anointed the first king. Who was the first king? Anybody remember? Saul. What do we know about Saul? He was the first, yeah, he was the first king. I'll give you that. He was extremely good looking. Kind of like Tony in the back of the room walking in, right? Except for Tony's missing some of the height that Saul had, right? And some of the hair. It's okay. You got the good looks going. It's all right. All right. So we know he was a good looking guy. Hey, what happened with Saul last week? Why did he get in trouble? Anybody remember? He sacrificed the burnt offering and he shouldn't have, right? And so it's really interesting as we're kind of jumping into um, this, this book. What we know is First and Second Samuel were actually one book put together and it's got all kind of just craziness that happens in it. And it's a really cool like series if you really take your time to go through it and read it and see how God starts to really just set up Israel as, as a monarchy. And it's really interesting. So here's what we know though. Um, we're talking about Saul and uh, let me, there we go. Got it, Peyton. Sorry. All right, so Saul's kind of like this guy. All right, who is this guy? Anybody know? <laughs> That's good. So, so I'm going to go with Cooper's answer, okay? Cooper just told me that this is the fake Captain America, okay? And that's what I know him as, too. His name's actually John Walker, right? And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was, he was known as, like, Captain something else. It's different than America, but, that, but everybody knew him as Captain America. And he was the fake one. Why was he the fake one? Why was he the fake one? Anybody? It, it's not the real one. We know that. Yeah, yeah. He just, he just kind of tried to become something that he's not, right? And so, to be fair, that's kind of what King Saul reminds me of, right? We, we, we know him, and we know, like, King Saul had a chance to be, like, the king of Israel and have his line established forever, but instead, he overstepped, and he acted as though... He had God's authority, and we see that his kingdom was going to end. And we saw that right here last week. We read this. We said, but now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. So, who is the man after God's own heart who will become king? We start to see that in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. We start to get to know a little bit more about this new king. And most of us in the room, we, we, we know a little something about this guy, right? What do we know about David? Go ahead, yeah. He killed Goliath, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. What else do we know about David? He killed a lion. Okay, yeah. What else? I mean, he's a household name when it comes to the Bible, right? Like, it comes from King David's line, right? Right? And so we see this. We see that, that, that Samuel, um, he goes to David's house. He goes to his father, and he asks to see his son, his sons. And, and he thought to himself, as he saw the sons, this is the next king. So, so David's dad, does anybody know his name? Oh, extra points right here. Hey, there we go. That's right. It is Jesse. All right, so Jesse's got how many sons? Does anybody know? Go ahead, yeah, yeah, what do you think? What, 12? No, it's not 12. This time it's not 12. It's normally 12. That's normally the answer, but it's not this time. Okay? There's another Bible number. What's that other Bible number everyone likes? Seven. Yeah, he's got seven sons. All right, so, so 
Um, so, so Samuel shows up to Jesse's house. He's like, yo, let me see your sons. According to the word, according to Gen Z, hey, yo, Sam, or oh, yo, Jesse, let me see your kids. No, I'm kidding. I can't do this, okay? I can't do that. It's so messed up. But no, he shows up and he says, hey, Jesse, hey, I'd like to meet your sons. Can I see your sons? And he says that six sons come in. His eldest six sons come in. And Samuel's got to be thinking to himself, as he sees these guys, they're all rugged and handsome and good-looking guys. And he's like, man, absolutely, this has to be the one. There has to be the right one right here. But then God told him something so important that it actually does something to to teach us something here 3,000 plus years later, okay? It's one of these verses. If you've been around church, you've heard this verse quite often, all right? 1 Samuel Chapter 16, verse 7 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let's be honest for a second. I'm going to give you a talking point. I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to let you talk to your neighbor, to your left, to your right. I want you to have a little bit of fun with this one. How often when it comes to the um, person you're interested in meeting, do you judge based off the heart versus the appearance when you first meet them? Tell the person to your left or to your right. Just bring her Okay, no judgment time, no judgment time. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, just be honest, okay? How many of you guys are people or who would say, I absolutely um, judge based on appearances only? Don't raise your hands, don't raise your hands. You're looking shallow, okay? You're looking shallow, don't do that. I'm here to help, okay? I'm here to help. <laughs> okay, first, that's right, that's right. And then how many of you guys are so much more spiritual and you based on the heart? Don't raise your hands, it's okay, right? Man, let's be honest, every single one of us in the room, if we're being honest, man, we need there to be some attractiveness to the people who we're drawn to, right? And that's okay, we're good there, right? But it's interesting when we see what God tells Samuel about his decision. It's interesting that God says, listen, I don't care what they look like, I care what their heart's like. You know, I think we've got it backwards, I think it's easy for us to, to really, like, find easy people on the eyes, right? And this is what Samuel's doing. When he gets to this, this family, he, he's got to be like, hey, God, which one is it? Like, they're all so great. And then he's saying, none of them. None of them? None of the guys that are here, none of these great-looking guys are it. And, and he has to ask Jesse that question. Jesse, is there anybody else? Jesse, like, 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 what's happening here? And then Jesse has to answer him. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Well, yeah, like, I do have one more son, but, like, he's taking care of the sheep outside. And, like, 
I didn't think he'd be, like, important enough to be the king. Can you imagine, like, how that would make David feel? How would you feel about that? Terrible, right? Like, think about that just for a second. Imagine not being important enough to think it's worth to have you around for the prophet to see you as he's seeing all your other brothers. Like, you would feel just terrible. And when Samuel says, bring them in, and as soon as he sees them, God says this. He says, this is the one. Right there, the, the young shepherd boy, the smallest of all of them. This is the one. And without Saul knowing, without any big announcement or fanfare, Samuel, at this moment, anoints David. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord was powerfully upon David from then on. This is the interesting part, right? So now David, this little shepherd boy, is now set to be the next king. But there's an issue, right? Anybody know what the issue is? There's already a king, right? That's an issue. He's set to be the next king, but if there's another king following him, and if this king finds out that this guy's going to be the king, what do you think he's going to want to do to him? Kill him. He's not going to want to go hug and embrace him and love him, right? This isn't it. And we start to see Saul starts to start dealing with some depression and some, some fear. And he knows that his time is going to end. And so David starts rising up in prominence because, well, one, he kills Goliath, right? And then second, like he's hanging out, like uh, he's playing the harp for Saul in his kingdom. And all of a sudden, King Saul starts to try to kill him. Over and over again. And at this point, David in his life, we see that David has gotten a follower. So um, Saul puts David in charge of his armies for a while, and the guys love him. And he goes off, and, and you guys know the chance if you've been around church, right? It says Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands, right? And like everybody in Israel knew who David was. Everybody knew like, he was the man, and, and King Saul started to feel that, and he started just to hate this guy. It says several times, if you, if you were to read through the book of Kings, you'll see, like, Saul picks up a spear, and he just chucks it at David. Can you imagine, like, working somewhere, and, like, your boss does that to you? That's probably not where you want to work anymore, right? So on the third time when it happens, we see David take off, and he starts running from Saul, and it says he takes about 500 of his men with him who know that David's going to be the next king. And so David and his men, they escape to the wilderness. They go completely away from everything. And it says that Saul actually starts to chase after them. Now I want you to imagine just for a second, I want to take you to a spot. I want to ask you a question. And it's going to set up the rest of our time together, okay? As I prepped for this, I want to make the Bible relevant to your lives, and I think it truly is, and I think if we aren't careful, we'll sometimes overlook things. Have you ever been in a spot where you know you were right, but the leadership says you were wrong, and you felt threatened by that? Has there ever been a moment like in your life where someone in authority told you to do something, and you questioned it, and you got in trouble for it, even though you knew it was right? Has that ever happened in your life? That's where David finds himself. David knows he's the next anointed king. David knows that, that God is with him. And David knows that King Saul is God's appointed king right now. And so David 
has opportunities to do some stuff to King Saul because this guy's trying to kill him that he chooses not to act on. And today I want to take you to this moment, right? I want to take you to a spot where, where Saul has this army and David has his followers and they find themselves in a cave and it comes across this, this crazy story that we see in 1 Samuel chapter number 24. Okay, so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn there and then Peyton, I'm going to let you take over on slides from here, okay? It says this, Starting in verse number one, it says, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Now, what do you guys think it means when he says he had to go relieve himself? The restroom, right? Here, let's just be honest, all right? You guys are teenagers. You're old enough to say this. Saul had to poop, all right? He had to go do it, and there's a book called Everyone Poops, right? And this is where Saul finds himself at this moment. He's got to go. He's like, yo, it's, I got to get out of here just for a second. Y'all give me a minute. And, and I want you to imagine just for a second, this is, this is it, right? And so the king himself finds himself on the street, he finds himself in the middle of the wilderness, and he's chasing after this guy, and he's got his troops all around him, and he's like, all right, listen, this is what I'm going to do. You guys stay here, I'm going in the cave, I got to go handle some kingly business real quick, okay? So, he goes in there, and this is where it gets interesting. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back, in that cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is with you. He's telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. Now just for a moment, guys, can you imagine you're one of David's men? You're here with the future king, and you now see the king who's been chasing you guys, the king who has made your life miserable, the king who hasn't given you any food, the king who said, since you're following David, you're on the death list too. Here's his chance. They've got a chance to now take out that king, to put David in the right place, and it's all over. And so his guy's like, yo, David, this is it. You can do it. Do you know how I know you can do it? He's right there. You know how we know he's right there? We can smell him. Think about it. I mean, this is awkward, right? He chose the one cave that they're hanging out in. This is unbelievable. Coincidence? No way, right? That's what his guys see. But David sees it differently. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Let me stop right there just for a second, okay? How do you do that? I know a cave is dark. I, I, I get it. And, and, and ladies, I'm sorry, I know this story is a little gross, right? He creeps forward, and, and I imagine like he's on all his arms, and he's doing an army crawl up there, right? And he, he, he's getting close. Once again, this is a little bit more. You guys are teens. I'm going to give you a little bit more, okay? Like, Saul had a big robe, right? He had like all his, his stuff that he was on. When he was pooping, do you think like he took off the robe? Or do you think he's like squatting with the robe like hanging out back here? 
I'm just asking, because I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, okay? I'm just asking a question. Can you imagine just for a second, like, as David's getting closer to him, I'm not trying to be gross, but, like, the smell's getting stronger. And, like, at some point he's gagging, I'm sure, and he's there. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to the Lord my king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let any of them kill Saul. David cuts off a piece of his, his robe, and, and it symbolizes a few things. One, it was proof that Saul was at um, the hand of David's mercy, right? And, and David didn't kill him. And, and then the phrase cut off is also connected to David cutting off Saul's future and his, his legacy, right? And, 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 and finally, this is, this is the, the crazy part. It's like, what was happening here? This was David showing that God's spirit was upon him. Because at this moment where everybody else thought that David had been given permission to take out the king, everybody else thought it was fine. And David, all he did was cut off just a little square of this robe, right? He just cuts off just a little bit of it. David starts to feel in his, his spirit, this was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. This is the anointed king. This is who God chose. And you can start to see why David is a man after God's own heart just right here, right? We start to see how, how God was already working in him. Yes, David knew that someday he would be king, but he genuinely believed that God would bring it to pass. It wasn't something that he had to make happen. And so after Saul finished his business and went out of the cave, David comes out. And can you imagine how embarrassing this was at this moment? Can you imagine just, just for a minute with me, like, like what just happened? The king goes in to relieve himself. He has no idea anything has happened. And David comes out and he starts shouting. Picking up in verse number 9, it says this. Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day, you see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Huh. Right here. Can you imagine with me just for a minute? You're out there and you're in King Saul's army and you're just doing what you were told to do, right? You're one of the 3,000 elite soldiers, it says. Like, we're talking about like the Navy SEALs of the day, right? And you see David's like up on the hill and he's shouting, yo, Saul, I had my chance. Don't believe what everybody else is telling you. I could have killed you if I wanted to. Look right here. This is part of your, this is part of your robe. Is it not? And Saul looks down, yo, that's part of my robe. Right? Everything's messed up now. Everything's different. I'm not trying to kill you, Saul. I'm not trying to kill you, king. I want you to understand. What you're hearing about me 
isn't true. What everybody's told you is not true. How often do we believe what everybody else says? How often, as teenagers right now, do you believe what all your friends say? Last week, we saw the mob mentality with you guys, right? And even a little bit today as you guys cheered for Carson. Way to go, Carson. Right? We saw that, like, the, the mob, when they start to tell you stuff, when the people around you, when everybody says it's true, typically we buy into the fact that it's true, right? And so King Saul has heard all the whispers. David wants to be king. David's killed 10,000s. David's the next one. David doesn't like you. David wants to kill you. David is the worst. You got to take him out before he takes you out. Saul believed it so much so that after he got done with war, he chased David into these rocks. And David's guys were just as bad. David, God has delivered the king to you right now. Take him out. David, come on, man. You can't say this is coincidence. Come on, David. You got to do this. 1 Samuel 24, 16 says this part. He said to David, you are a better man than I am. For you have repaid me good for evil. Or you have repaid my, me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could kill me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when you had him in your power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be the king. And the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Saul had to be stunned at what David had done. In part, because if their positions had been reversed, he wouldn't have hesitated to kill David. He tells us right here. What's beautiful to see is that Saul recognized several things here, that God orchestrated this encounter, and that God had chosen a kind man, and perhaps most incredibly that, that, that David would be king, and it would be good for Israel to have him as the king. This was the first time that Saul publicly acknowledges that David's going to be king, and he does it in front of his Navy SEALs, right? He does it in front of his elite soldiers. This is a shocking admission that, that, that David would be able to accomplish what Saul could not. And the struggle doesn't end here, right? Even after this beautiful moment we see with King Saul and David, we see him come back and keep doing this. If you keep reading through 1 Samuel, you'll see that, that, that it just keeps going on and on. Like, like For some reason, after this encounter, Saul still chooses to chase after David until 1 Samuel 31, where we see King Saul die. And then, next week, you'll see this, 2 Samuel chapter 5, David becomes king. Now, what I told you, I, I want you to take away a little something from this, right? I want to give you a couple of takeaways that, that you can chew on, that you can think about this week from this story. Because let's be honest in here, none of you guys are going to be kings or queens that I'm aware of, okay? So what does it look like? And hopefully you're not like creeping up on anybody when they're in the bathroom, okay? Because that's weird. Let me just tell you, okay? 
Number one takeaway today. This is what I want you to remember, okay? If there's more than anything else I could teach you this year. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Listen to Proverbs 4.23. Solomon, David's son, writes this. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Remember the critical moment at the beginning of the story when Samuel thought David's brother was perfect and that God would choose him. God corrects him and says, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Guys, here's the thing. I was just meeting with a couple of students before this, and we were talking about our hearts. And we were talking about what we allow into our hearts. I want you to think about just this past week, okay? Just this past week, and every single one of us, I want us all to do this. Just this past week, what have you watched? What have you listened to? What have you seen on your phones? Is it stuff that, 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 that let's imagine that it was food, and let's imagine that, that you're getting ready for a big race, and you need good, healthy food for a good race. How would you be doing today? How would you be doing if, if the race was starting right now? Based on what you've allowed to come into your eyes, what you've allowed to come into your ears, what you've allowed to come into your heart this week, how would you be doing? Now, let me throw all that away. Let me throw all that away. Hey, guys, what about your friends? What about the people you're literally surrounding yourself with right now? How are you doing it surrounding yourself with the right people who are speaking truth into your life? who are speaking the things of God into your life. Look at David. What did David's men tell him? Bro, this is it. This is your chance. Take him out. What did King Saul hear? David would kill you if he had the chance. You better get him before he gets you. How are you doing with your friends? How are you doing at guarding your heart? How are you doing at setting yourself up for success with the people around you? With who you're allowing to speak into your lives? It's hard. Because every single one of us, man, like, we want to have a good time. Every single one of us, we want to have friends who, who are enjoyable to be around. Scripture tells us that to guard your heart above all else. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Because if you get somebody who's foolish, it could cost you your life. And at this moment, guys, I want you to imagine just for a second. Let's lean back into this story. What if David had killed King Saul at this moment? He's got 500 men in the cave with him. They've got 3,000 elite soldiers outside of the cave. A lot of bloodshed was going to happen, right? If they would have just listened, a lot of things would have happened here, and it, it would have been crazy. Who are you trusting your life to right now? Who are you trusting your heart with right now? It's funny because you see this with David, like his heart, the spirit was talking to him. His conscience was talking to him after he cut off that piece of the robe. Is the spirit talking to you? Is God speaking to you daily? Are you giving him a chance to speak to you daily? Are you opening up his word? Are you spending any time in prayer? Are your friends pushing you just a little bit? 
saying, hey, have you prayed today? Hey, what'd you read in your Bible today? Did you read anything? Just saying, you need some people in your life who will help you out in doing this. That's the first point. Guard your heart. David did it, and look at where it led him. The second point today, my last point. Trust God's timing. David spent years running for his life, and he knew he was the one in the right and that Saul was the one in the wrong. He knew he was going to be king. And there were so many times he could have tried to take things into his own hands, but he knew God had a reason for his timing, even if it meant he had to suffer while he waited. Look at what he wrote while he was hiding from Saul. He wrote this while he was hiding in a cave, most likely. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. If you're anything like me, man, patience isn't always my greatest virtue. I'm not somebody who wants to wait a long time for something. But it's interesting when we see this, that David was anointed years ago, and David still doesn't get to be king. It says that Saul reigned over Israel for 41 years. So if we do the math, we, we would say that David had to wait probably 30-plus years to be the king. And you have to imagine that this was a painful time for him to just wait, right? And for you guys right now, the truth of the matter is, like, there's some stuff that God's asked you to wait on. There's some stuff that the, the, the world says is okay for you to do, but God says, hey, I don't want you to partake in this yet. There's some stuff that God says, hey, listen, like, I'm holding you to a higher standard than everybody else in the world. Will you trust my timing? Will you trust what I have for you? Or are you going to take it into your own hands? You see, last week we saw this with King Saul. Last week we saw King Saul, he took it into his own hands. He took the sacrifice and he offered it. And that's when we saw he lost the kingdom forever. So, do you trust God's timing? Ultimately, we want to look like Jesus. And as we study God's word, as we study these books, what we start to see is that the more time we spend in God's word, the more we start to look like him, the more he starts to change our heart. He starts to work in our spirit. Do you trust God's timing? Only you can. So today, the big takeaway, the big challenge today, are you guarding your heart? And are you trusting God's timing? I'm going to pray over you guys. I'm going to dismiss you. I do have a request today that I was given to from the uh, main worship center. If you guys will, when you go out today, go outside as you go to the East Sits Cafe. Um, some of the guys, is what I was told, were pretty loud going through the main uh, worship area. So if you guys go outside, go to the East Sits, walk all the way across the parking lot to get there. Um, that would help us out today. Okay? Can I pray over you guys? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you so much, Lord, for this story, Lord, that shows us, God, that even when we think we know better, we still need to trust your spirit. We still need to spend time knowing, Lord, what it is, God, you want from us. God, help us surround ourselves with people who truly love you, people who truly want what's best for our lives, God, that 
Lord, truly want to just push us in the right direction, God, let us guard our hearts well. Show us what that looks like this week, God, in the media that we consume. God, let that just be stuff that, Lord, just pours just good stuff into our lives. God, and, and the people who do speak into our lives, God, let us have wise friends in our lives. God, let us have wise leaders who speak into our lives. God, let us trust the voice that, Lord, you put in our hearts from your spirit. God, I thank you for that. And God, teach us what it is to really be patient. Teach us what it is, Lord, to enjoy the season that we're in right now. Teach us, Lord, how to have a heart, Lord, that just really does just say, hey, I, I'm going to wait on what you tell me, God. And Lord, in those moments, Lord, where we're wanting to be impatient, let our friends lift us up. Let our friends show us, God, what it looks like to truly follow you. God, let us be people who really are disciples of you this week. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Seriously, uh, as y'all head out, remember.